yeah. Are we live, baby? Oh, yeah. Hey, Squirt and Fear, Zach, how you doing? Good things. Good uh, stuff. Good things? Good things? I know, almost. Like, you like to think so, at least. Yeah, definitely. Well, <laughs> <laughs> huh? you got a little too excited about doing things. <clears throat> Man, I got so excited about doing things. Because we're about to do some things tonight. And no, it's not sexual. No. Unless it's going to let you down. I hate to break your heart, but we're going to do something else tonight. <clears throat> All right. All right. Well, Let's... to those just joining the podcast, if you never have before, We're in Feared is a show where we discuss madness, mayhem, and monsters, and anything a little bit, um, you know, atypical. Bizarre. Bizarre. Sometimes we talk about gruesome murders. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes I go online and look up those pictures, and like, oh, I'm like, brutal. oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, they're pretty rough. Yeah, when I was, uh, when I chose, well, when I was, because uh, I, I did not want to, I feel more people should know what Beth looks like, so I chose not to do an illustration for that one. I used her photo. That, yeah, was, that, that was that was good. Yeah. <clears throat> it was on purpose. I mean, I could have just drew her photo, but I figure, I mean, get her out there. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully, just seeing on, what about Beth? I felt that was like, what about Beth? We should know Beth's story yeah. because it ends in one of the most horrific ways I could ever imagine. It's pretty weird. Why was the breast just cut out? I don't and know. The, um, anyways, man, what the fuck? Yeah, some, uh, somebody had some issues. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm still reacting to that episode. That's how I was kind of selling it to people. Like, you want to listen to Nick react to the... Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> something he's never heard about before but it's kind of been interested in? Oh, because I... You could tell if you... Listen back, um, one of those who have listened. You may have noticed I was a little drunk, just in awe. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Oh, oh uh, my yeah, God. We, we tend to drink a little bit <clears throat> sometimes. Yeah, but we're not drinking tonight. Oh. We're not having any beer or hard cider or wine. Oh, yeah, no. Or uh, maybe whiskey later. Are we not? Oh, I don't know. Oh, because I'm, I'm definitely already drinking two of those things. Maybe it's opposite day. Well, I, I have a full beer over here, and I decided to start drinking cider because it seemed more tasty. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we're just sticking around. Let's get to it, man. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for this? Yeah. What do we What do we got tonight? <clears throat> All right. Well, as you know from previous episodes I've done, I tend to I set a stage. We all like to set a stage. Actually, that's true for yeah, both of us. Life's a stage. Life is a stage, and we are gonna dramatize it right here mm-hmm. on the Weird and Feared. <clears throat> All right. Our brains contain a clear, colorless fluid that acts as a cushion, assisting with immunity from several contagions and provides basic structural protection within the skull. This fluid helps with stabilizing and regulating blood flow in the brain, and at any given time, 125 milliliters of this fluid can be found in the brain and spinal cord with 500 milliliters being created every day. This fluid is called cerebrospinal fluid. Sounds important. Guess what my, literally my next sentence was that I wrote down. It's important. Clearly, this substance is very important. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we agree on that, at least. We do. We're on the same page. Yeah. And our body requires a specific amount to be present for our brain to operate properly. Hydrocephalus occurs when these levels of cerebrospinal fluid are not regular and become quite excessive. This buildup drastically amplifies the pressure between the brain and the skull. 
Symptoms of this condition can include headaches, double vision, uncontrolled pissing or urinary incontinence. I chose to summarize urinary incontinence by saying uncontrolled pissing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Drastic alterations of personality or mood, poor balance, mental deficiencies, sleepiness, seizures, vomiting, and a downward pointing of the eyes. So would you say this is a, a bad thing? I would say it is definitely negative. It doesn't sound good. No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And in younger individuals, such as infants or babies, you may see a rapid increase of head size. So it like pushes the whole brain out, just becomes a giant thing. Well. The word hydrocephalus comes from the Greek word hydor, meaning water, and I think this is pronounced fail it's probably wrong. Could be. Meaning head. Mm-hmm. Beloit, Wisconsin. 1862. All right. <clears throat> Dor E. Felt was born. His first name is Dor. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask. It's D-O-R-R. Or, or, uh, Dor Felt. Dor Felt. Dor E. Felt. Yeah, how did the door feel? You're about to find out. Anyways, you don't actually... Well, anyway, this, he became <laughs> he became a foreman. So would he be a door, door foreman? Door the foreman. All right, door the foreman. He became a foreman at a rolling mill at the age of 18 after moving to Chicago in 1885. By the way, we're already talking about Illinois right now, so get ready about... Get excited about yeah, that. Yeah, okay, we're getting closer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thought we were sticking with Wisconsin, uh, but well, no. Well, we'll... We're going to circle, perhaps, the Great Lakes for a little bit. We'll see. All right. Um, In 1885, he created a calculating machine. Cool. In 1889, he patented his invention and started his own business, which led him to building his own factory. Felt rose the ranks of government and private sector, and he married Agnes McNulty in 1891. Hmm. And the couple would start a family... By going on to have four daughters. So Dor the Foreman had four daughters. Dor. Dor four. Four's Dor. Dor's daughters. (laughs) Dor was on the fast track to a successful life. Yeah, good for him. All the pieces were coming together. Mm -hmm. During the early 1900s, Dor had visited the area of Sagatuck, Michigan, and loved it so much he began acquiring land there. His accumulation began in 1919. When 1926 rolled around, he purchased a lot where destiny would take hold. Hmm. Here, he built a mansion. That's never anonymous in Weird and Feared. No, 1800s he's, mansions. It's destined to go well. It is. He will, I'm sure he will be fined. He's a man on the rise. He is on the rise. His mansion was rising and it was completed in 1928. As of 2019, it has been fully restored and it is a beautiful building. Upon completion in the 1920s, however, it was a perfect building for raising four daughters in the West Michigan countryside. Perfect place. Built a mansion. Got some kids. Got a got a nice, beautiful wife. Business that's taken off. Business is taken. He invented a calculating machine. 
<clears throat> and he's buying land all over the place. So, good job, Door. Good job. But, like I said, destiny had already taken hold. Not long after construction of the mansion had concluded, Agnes died. Oh. The following year, Dor remarried, but his new wife preferred the city life of Chicago. The new couple uprooted themselves and headed to the Windy City. But what about the nice house? Well, I can only imagine Dor's attitude toward leaving was a reluctant one. He couldn't have been very happy about leaving after Billy living there, right? Right, yeah. yeah. You know? But ha- happy wife, happy life, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what was left of it, unfortunately, because his time to reflect was cut short uh, two years later when he passed away himself. So, they're dead. Oh, well, I guess. Yep, we, we... Whole man's life in a few paragraphs right there for you. Man. How do you feel about that? I guess he uh, had some quick up and downs there. Yeah, somebody shut the door in his existence. Not good. Well, Dor left the mansion to his daughters. And the building remained in the family until 1949, when they sold it to the Chicago province of Augustine Order of the Catholic Church. It became the St. Augustine Prep School, and a school for boys was constructed um, behind the mansion. In 1962, the school leased it to the St. Augustine nuns. It would house a chapel and living quarters for priests and students. In 1977, the state of Michigan purchased the property. It became a state police post. Part of the estate was converted into the Saugatuck Dunes Correctional Facility. Next to the mansion was now a prison. Yeah. It was and, piling it on. And a, and a nunnery? Or like <laughs> it, I think it, a it, chapel? It was there, right. Or it was part of the mansion. Okay. It was a big estate, so they built different buildings on it, too. And I'm pretty sure um, the uh, the school was torn down, and then the prison was like built on it, so it was like same ground. Uh, so they weren't just like stacking things up next to each no, other? No, but the mansion was still there. It was all like all the other buildings were like, okay. the mansion stayed. Yeah. All right. And uh, it would fulfill the role of correctional facility until 1991 closed it sat relatively unused until 1995 when it was sold to lake town township for the whopping asking price of are you ready how much would this cost what do you think i mean logic says it's going to be a big number but i want to say it's going to be super cheap just because i don't know just because one dollar dude that's what i was going (laughs) to say and there was no way that was going to be right it's kind of one of those things where, like, we have to have a transaction, so, like, just yeah. give us a dollar. Yeah. All right, there you go. Yeah. In 2002, the Friends of the Felt Estate Group was formed, operating the estate to this very day. It's on the National Register for Historic Places. It functioned as banquet hall for company parties, receptions, tours, and weddings. We piled on a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, oh yeah. All right, well. You're just stacking it up. This might surprise you. People who visit the grounds have reported many strange happenings. Hmm. Apparitions seen coming in and out of rooms. Bizarre shadows. Doors. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe many doors. Doors, extremely heavy doors. These are physical doors, not men. Not not the man. Well, not the man, no. Opening and closing viciously. Crashing shut whenever a guest acts crudely and or uses profanity. 
crass behavior, the spirit's most obvious instigator. Huh. Quite possibly a sign of these ghosts' upper-class sophistication, as they have also been allegedly seen enjoying ballroom dancing. They love the waltz. Hmm. Reports of ghosts waltzing have been made. Now, are these the spirits of Dora and Agnes Felt enjoying the mansion in death that they never got to enjoy in life? Maybe. Honestly, who cares? Yeah. This episode is not about ghosts. Oh. It's about fires, torture, oversized skulls, razor <laughs> teeth, cannibalism. Whoa. It is about the melon heads. What? Here we go. <laughs> All right, like like cone heads, but melon heads. Melon heads, man. <laughs> melon heads. All right. When a man loves a woman, well, you know how that goes. Some, yep. The names of this couple, <laughs> <laughs> the names of this couple are lost to history <coughs> and to legend, if there ever was a couple at all. But it has been said that this couple had several children. Their own brood. They love these children. But their physical attributes were perhaps attributes only a parent could love. I can only imagine the locals ridiculed, harassed, and otherwise tormented these children because of their appearance. These children were deformed with giant bulbous-shaped heads, suffering the worst effects of hydrocephalus. And that this, combined with perhaps the children's strange antisocial behavior... But, I mean, imagine a bunch of people suffering all the things I described in the beginning. Yeah. Here we go. These are these these kids. Uh Okay. I'm sure they're easy to deal with. Well, perhaps that was why their parents had them shipped off to the Junction Insane Asylum located on or nearby the estate of the Felt Mansion. Perhaps as a weird subsect of the seminary school that once called it home. Were these children considered an affront to God? An abomination? A sin that needed to be cleansed? These questions I cannot answer. But if last week's episode has taught us anything, it is that man is the real monster. Uh Well, in the asylum, an insane doctor used these excessively large cranial cursed children as sentient fodder for any number of his frightening experiments. Cool. Great. I'm sure that's going to go well. It's, yeah, nothing. <laughs> yeah, we're just fine. It's, he's, he, he's actually going to make them. He's going to cure them. They're going to go to the old boys school. Yeah, and he's they're just trying to fix them, right? Uh-huh. That's what he's doing. Well, that was my next sentence is maybe he was trying to cure them. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he was a sadist who used their inhuman appearance to justify and revel in his sick acts of torture. Well, I guess it could go either way. Well, one such act was introducing more liquid into their skulls. That's probably not good for that. But why? Yeah, bad. Yeah, that sounds bad. Hmm, they got too much liquid in their skulls? What if I put more in? More! Must have more! Was it to create a brand new race of monster? I hope that's what he was trying. A brand new soldier? Oh, maybe. What if he thought he was doing God's work? What if he believed himself to be an angel on high? What if he thought he was the second coming of Christ? Did he? Okay. Maybe I'm getting carried away. (laughs) But whatever his motivations, 
the children could only take so much, and eventually, they had enough. Things are still probably going to go real well, right? Maybe. Yeah, pretty probably good? Not, probably not. Okay. Word spread. Funding for the asylum was being cut, and that the asylum was going to be closed. Well, maybe I should put more liquid in their heads. Is that what he's thinking? <laughs> i got to hide all my liquid. <laughs> i got to put them in their heads. They'll never suspect it. <laughs> Uh, so perhaps, fearing for their future, and worried they would be executed to conceal the work of the disturbed doctor, the children banded together. What do you think they did? I mean, it's kind of right to itself at this point. What do you think? They formed a group called the Melonheads and went, <laughs> went on went tour. On tour. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're the Michigan Melonheads! Yeah. This one goes out to the fun mansion and our cool doctor cured us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's uh, our manager now. Is that what happens? Yeah, we're a boy band. They murdered the evil doctor. <laughs> oh, okay. Ripped the sadist limb from limb. And in a twisted moment of misplaced clarity, they knew they would have to hide his body. After tearing his body into more pieces, they scattered his remains around the mansion, digging holes and placing his remains in them. Okay. It, it's not the worst idea. Uh, it's like, what are we going to do with these bodies? Oh, dig a fucking hole. Yeah. Okay. It has been said that the children took to living in the woods and hiding in caves in an abandoned zoo. Just imagine that visual. There's caves in an abandoned zoo. Other reports emphasize that the caves are an interconnected series of tunnels. <laughs> yeah. Known as a zoo? Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> And many trespassing teenagers have reported seeing the Melonheads around the Felt Mansion property, noting their feral state. A life spent in the wild has, depending on your point of view, made them more or less than human. Some argue whatever small ounce of humanity still flourished inside their souls after the doctor's experiments... Um, Some argue whatever small ounces of humanity still flourish inside their souls after the doctor's twisted experiments was exercised after his murder, leaving nothing but ravenous, undomesticated fiends thirsty for blood. Yeah. So, killing him, living in the woods, sucked out whatever humanity was left. And they they roamed the woods. Yeah. So, um, well, you've been introduced to the Melonheads. How do you feel about this? Uh, they were better when I saw them in, you know, Wisconsin. They put on a better show. <laughs> <laughs> they were feeling the crowd a little bit more. Yeah, they were more into it. You they went to tell. they went to Beloit, Wisconsin. Yeah, like, this one's for Dorfelt. <laughs> throwback. Yeah, throwback for Dor. What a great guy. <laughs> yeah. We were tortured in his school. We came out great musicians. Yeah. Maybe the torture was just learning to play instruments. Maybe, and they hated it. Yeah, I don't. I don't want. Yeah, I was just torture. <laughs> Why does he get to be lead singer? Huh. Well, he's not vomiting all the day. <laughs> you know, he he's he gets his shit together. You're in the you're in the back puking all the time. Yeah, that's why you got the tambourine and, and a bucket. Look, you're always looking down. Yeah, yeah. He's got your tambourine, your bucket. You can just puke in it. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. Well, that's, for the, that's for the stage show. Yeah. <laughs> in the later years, he works his way up front. All right. Look at this. Yeah, <laughs> but the melon heads. They're doing stuff. They are and things. Yeah, they are absolutely. Yeah, these are these are the things that yeah these are the things we're getting to. 
Uh, traditionally, melon heads are anywhere from three to four feet high, dressed in tattered rags, and or whatever else they can find. They are usually said to have glowing eyes and teeth, sharp as daggers. Although, stories vary. Because of course they do. How could they not? Well, do you want to dive into some eyewitness accounts of the Melonheads? Absolutely. Thank God, because if you said no, this would be a short podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, pass. Yeah, maybe next Um, time. That's right. Well, I got my fill. No, I want to hear more about the Melonheads. All right, well, the first encounter comes from Weird U.S. Now, we've referenced the Illinois-specific version in some of our earlier episodes. You know Weird Illinois? Mm -hmm. All right. I'm about to begin a quote. Quote, it didn't look anything like I've heard in the stories. He looked about the same height as me, 5'7", was wearing brown pants, which were very ripped up, and where the seams would be. Also, I mention this later as I read. I'm reading what, they, what their accounts are, and some people tend not to speak or write in complete sensical sentences, so just mm-hmm. be ready for some sloppiness. Sure. It was held together by what looked like corn husk. He's wearing brown pants, were very ripped up, and where the seams would be, it was held together by what looked like corn husk. This seems like, that's kind of ingenuity at work mm-hmm. there, in my opinion. Yeah. It wore a white shirt with brown and red stains all over it. In parentheses, it says, hoping that the red stains weren't blood, but I mean... I mean, I mean, what else? Maybe they're berries. Maybe they're berries. He was rolling around in a berry yeah. bush. Big, like, bloody berry like, bush. Oh, I love blueberries. These <laughs> cherries are great. Oh, too bad this person's caught in this bush. Yeah, he's stuck in those thorns. Just over eat the, the berries yeah. around him. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, his his hand worked its way into my mouth. <laughs> oh, shit, we'll put more berries in it. Now, now I just made a casserole in my mouth. <laughs> uh-huh. Um... Its head was a very light brown tint. It had two holes in the sides of its head, which think were ears. Its head was swelled up and its eyes were very big looking. Just as we turned a curve, it jumped into the woods. That is my story of the Melonheads. Another from a woman named Kelly, quote, Not knowing who this man could be, my friend yelled, quote, Hello! End quote. (laughs) to try and be friendly. But all we got was a loud grunt, and the man continued to walk towards us, but now at a faster pace. At this point, the same idea hit all of us, and we all started sprinting towards our car. We scrambled in and peeled out of the parking lot at full speed, not slowing down until we were several miles from the mansion. These next encounters come from michigantotherside.com. Okay. I have lived in Lake Town Township for about 12 years now and agree with everything that was said in your book, Ghosts and Legends of Michigan's West Coast. Looking forward to reading that book someday. Mm-hmm. I have friends who have seen the melon heads in the woods a few times. Do I believe in them? Yes and no. Okay. They say if you flick your car headlights, you're more prone to see something, but I'm too afraid to try. Oh, <laughs> I don't turn your lights on uh. Being a wuss, just do it. Oh, yeah, I might might see a melon head and get scared. (laughs) I have heard insane ghost stories with a felt mansion, though. People seeing kids playing at the top of the stairs and then jumping off the balcony of the house. 
There was also a story about teens who were going to vandalize the Felt Mansion before the restoration began in 2000. It was in the middle of the night, and a man in a horse-drawn carriage pulled up and asked them if they needed a ride. They freaked out and ran away. Well, yeah, that sounds weird. Yeah, it's not It's not good. But, I mean, like, they, don't, they say it's a ghost story. What if it was just a guy in a carriage? He's like, hey, you guys need a ride home? Are you all right? I think I've been here. Go on. You've been to the Felt Mansion? I'm looking at pictures. Have you really been to the Felt Mansion, Zach? I'm going to have to look into it more. I'm just looking at pictures. I've been to a wedding. and it, it It's was... around Holland. Yeah. I might have been, been here. In, you've been in the Felt Mansion. <laughs> uh, Let me see that. I mean, I mean, oh, um, probably. It's looking likely, but I'm going to have to try to figure it. I oh want to know God. for certain. You've been in the Felt Mansion. This, um... I mean, you've been to the Felt Mansion. What are the odds? Of course you have. Yeah, I mean... This I, one wasn't even planned. This is even like jokey haha. It's like... Oh, no, I just looked up a picture and I, yeah, I think I've been here. It's like, it's like long. It's got like pillars and shit. Yeah. Okay, well, great. You didn't see anything crazy, did you? No, I wasn't there very long. I oh, was, that's why. I showed up late, had to leave early. That's all. So you missed all the... Well, this, this submission, again, from MissionOtherSide.com, is called Radioactive Melonheads. Are you ready for a swerve in the story a little bit? Yeah. Okay. This legend has made its way to my neck of the woods, too. A little different, though. In southwest Michigan, the Melonheads are said to be located behind the Cook Nuclear Plant in Bridgman. Okay. There are two different stories of how they got to be there. The first story says that there was an insane asylum in the woods before the power plant was built and there was a fire that burned the asylum to the ground and the melon has escaped and have been living in the wild ever since. The other story says there was a group of people who lived behind the plant in the woods. After exposure to the radiation, they began to have swelling of the brain and out of embarrassment and shame, they stayed in the woods to be left alone by the public to live their lives the nuclear plant, and all surrounding property have been closed off to the public since the 9-11 attacks. But you used to be able to drive back into the woods and explore. That sounds like a thing you should never been able to do. Just drive around to the nuclear plant and explore. Yeah. Maybe don't do that. Yeah, they should have put a stop to that probably a little bit before. Yeah, before... Oh, man. They flew planes into buildings? We better close off these woods. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It was a big pastime for teenagers to scare the bejesus out of themselves and their dates. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> Ooh. I have been told that the whole area back there is like a maze. And unless you know the area well, it is very easy to get lost in. I suppose that just adds to the scare factor. So I would say that the melon heads for my area are just urban legend. But it always makes for interesting conversation, especially when talking with those who've been there and claim to have seen one. One more submission from MichiganOtherSide.com. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, I just want you to pay attention to all the things that all these are, like all the, like build like a Venn diagram of all the things all these stories have in common to kind of just right, yeah. cement it, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Last year, me and some of my friends at Hope College decided we wanted to go to the Allegan County Woods in Hamilton in search of the Melonheads. On our first night there, we went back on a path for about a mile and came to an opening where they seemed to be a foundation of a building still there. Where there seemed to be a foundation of a building still there, but the building was gone. On the walk back to the opening, there was a sign hanging over the path, but it was 
too faded to make out the wording. On the first night, we did not experience anything too out of the ordinary that we didn't think we couldn't explain by animals or other sorts. We went back the next night, and it was raining, mixed with some lightning. Me and two other guys were leading the group down the path, and about a half a mile into our walk, there was a lightning flash, and all three of us saw the same exact figure of a human about four and a half feet tall with ab an abnormally large head standing in the middle of the clearing that we had gone to the night before. We three kind of slowed down for a minute, and the next thing we knew, we heard a huge crash in the woods to the left of us. We immediately turned and ran back to our cars. I mean, that sounds reasonable. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, Zach. Yes? Lots of people have claimed to see the melon heads. One account submitted to chardonthoughtsatlarge.com says that, quote, I live deep in the Allegan woods of Michigan, about one mile away from an abandoned insane asylum. The legend around here is that the melon heads used to reside in this building after it was no longer being used. They are said to be dark creatures that come out only at night and do not usually interact with humans. They are very fast and can jump in a way that seems to defy gravity. Although I have never encountered any of these melon heads, they still make for a great story. And the melon heads sound... Yeah, keep going. Like they're up to stuff. Yeah, right? They're doing stuff and things <clears throat> in the woods. Yeah, ruining people's days. Running around, kind of scaring people. Now, um, from the Creepy Cleveland Archives, don't worry about why a Creepy Cleveland Archives has stories about Michigan melon heads. Sure. Just I accept. Wasn't, I wasn't going to question okay. it. Now, this take is definitely off the wall, and it varies the most from the general bullet points of the story, as discussed so far. Like I had commented on, generally there was a building full of kids who had hydrocephalus, were tortured, murdered their torturer, and fled to the woods after this person's facility was burned down or abandoned. Anyways, onto this take contributed by Ben Dog, spelled D A double G. So deal with that as you like. What's up, dog? What's up, dog? Ben Dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And again, when I read quotes, I read them verbatim, and they don't always have the best sentence structure. Not that I want to accuse anyone who goes by Ben D A double G of having bad sentence structure. But here, right. we, here yeah. we go. Hey, my name is Ben. And I live in Hudsonville, Michigan. I have heard about Mountainheads before, but I thought they were only around West Michigan. Anyways, I haven't experienced them personally, but I have heard stories, which honestly I always like that. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm reporting in to say I've heard this. Yeah, Not I, that I've seen I heard it. about this. Yeah, okay. First of all, Hudsonville is about 20 miles southwest from Grand Rapids. Now, where the Mountainheads are located are in the county of Allegan. More specifically, the Allegan Woods. There are more stories about the Allegan Woods. The most serious, true story, was a survivalist murdered someone and was living off the land in the Allegan Woods. Now, that's just a story about these woods. Right. So, like, if there's no melonheads, maybe, like, stay away anyways. Yeah, you could. What's the survivalist doing in the woods just eating people? Well, he didn't say eat them. He killed them. I mean, I'm assuming he ate them. He's, he's probably hungry. He's, uh, he's surviving, right? He was threatened. Right? Yeah. This person has been on the FBI's Most Wanted list and was seen twice on America's Most Wanted. The Ku Klux Klan, Satanists, and other cult groups, and Melonheads, are to be found in the Algon Woods. Now, there's a collective group of individuals, if I've ever heard of any. Right, yeah, those are, uh... 
That's a that's a I don't know. Yeah, that's they're, so, all, they're all unique, but everybody knows what they do. It's Satanist worship, Satan, the clan, all does bad clan stuff. Yeah, on the melon heads, just do jump out in front of cars. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I'm not saying melon heads are 100 percent true. I mean, this is me talking. Who does? But I'm not saying they're 100 percent true. But there is for sure a possibility. If you go into the Allegan Woods, you will find some weird things. You can find weird carvings and trees, cats hung by nooses with their stomachs ripped out, animal skulls and trees, and I first, I saw firsthand in the middle of the woods a pentagram made out of stones. Anyway, onto the melon heads. <laughs> All right. Okay, Ben. Yeah. The story of Allegan goes something like this. There once was this kid with a giant head. Everyone at school mocked him and called him Melonhead, thus getting the name. The parents were really weird, and they ended up moving into the middle of the woods. For some reason, they started to inbreed. For some reason. For some, <laughs> some reason. Some reason. Who they knows? They started to fuck each other, and therefore further screwing up their kids with their inbred genetics. They have a grudge against normal society, so they are violent towards people. I hear they make a loud, high-pitched scream right before they attack. <laughs> I mean, right. this is a horror show if I've ever imagined one. Yeah. What? I hear they make a loud, high-pitched scream. I love the things Ben hears. Who yeah. are you talking to, Ben? Well, the voices in my head tell me they make a loud, high-pitched scream right before they attack. I have never seen a melon head, but I have heard stories of people driving down two tracks and melon heads running out of the woods, chaining... Off the trail with a chain. Huh. I don't know what that means. I can only imagine they're like ripping off like, you know, a path, like a barrier chain, and right. start yeah. swinging it around. That doesn't sound scary. Sounds off the chain. <laughs> Melon heads are off the chain. Mm-hmm. It is also a fact that a young virgin girl was sacrificed at a campground in the Algon Woods. Wait. Known as the Horseman's Campground. Why fact. Is it, why is that a fact? That's a fact. I mean, is it? I mean, I didn't dive. This is the story about melon heads. I didn't dive into this crazy virgin sacrifice. All right, maybe, well, maybe, we'll skip over. We'll just maybe assume I should it's a have. Fact. Yeah, no, that's a fact. Well, this is true because it was on the news about ten years ago. Oh, okay. They never found out who did it, but some believe it was the melon heads. Now, God, come on. All right. I mean, well, most believe it was Satanists. Well, there's a poll I should start. Melon heads or Satanists? <laughs> Pick your team. <laughs> Pick your team. <laughs> Pick your team. <laughs> I'm into it. Turn Who, pull. Whoever wins, we lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Melonhead story in West Michigan is dying fast with only a few be- with only a few still believing. I mean, honestly, I probably should have maybe edited what Ben was telling me, but maybe maybe there's something to be said about the purity of his account. Yeah, no, definitely. I have also heard that a melon had actually wrote a book about his existence. The Melonhead his- <laughs> wrote a book <laughs> and his life and why they do the things they do. I have yet to see the book or hear what the pages contain, but I hear that it was written. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. That sounds like... Uh, I mean, Ben... Well, we're going to take that as a fact. Come on, dog. Yeah, this is absolutely fact. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh, my God. I forgot that was in here. <laughs> so absurd. That is a fact. The hot spot for melon heads near one part of the Algon Woods contains an abandoned jail and an abandoned insane asylum almost right next to each other. 
If these have anything to do with the melon heads, I wouldn't know. I've never read an account where a guy tells me all these things he doesn't know or hasn't heard about. It's just like, it's <laughs> like a guy that works at the gas station. And he's like, I don't know. Is I that, heard of this. Yeah, but like, it's like, well, some people say, which people, Ben? Some people. Also, one more thing before I end this long email. Me and some friends went to Horseman's Campground to camp at the place where the virgin was sacrificed. Why would that be something to do, Ben? Yeah, why, why are you camping there? Why are we doing that, Ben? We didn't see anything unusual, but we did end up talking to some locals. They said that by the insane asylum and jail, there were caves in the sides of the hill leading up into a trail into the woods. They said the caves were constructed in the 60s due to the Cold War. The locals also said that Melonheads inhabited these caves for a period of time. I personally tried to find the caves, but didn't find anything. (laughs) (laughs) Although I did find this weird imprint in the ground. It was also said that the local government put brush over the cave entrances and sealed them up to block any civilians from trying to get inside them. Well, that's all I know about the Melonheads in this area. I'm glad to hear that the legend lives somewhere else in the country. Um, it's fading fast. Hopefully we bring it back. Yeah, bring back the melon heads. Ben. Now, even ignoring these wilder, outlier stories, there are a few issues with the overall legend as traditionally presented. I'm sure that surprises you. Yo, Does that shock you? Everything that there surprises might, me. There might be issues. <laughs> <laughs> There might be issues with these stories. Yeah, there might be a few issues. I mean, Ben sounds not entirely credible. He gave me so much detail about nothing. Yep. Like, that's all... Wait, what? How old is Ben? I mean, his his, his fake internet last name is spelled D-A-double-G. I mean, D-A-W-G. So, I mean, I don't know how old Ben Dog is. <laughs> I don't know. B-Dog. B-Dog's over here. I don't know what, B-dog. He's, I don't know what he's up you to. You know that's what he was called in high school. Yeah, B-Dog. Oh, yeah, because he's like, my name, call me Ben Dogs. All right, B-Dogs. No, it's Ben Dogs. All right. Ben Dogs. Oh, my God. Uh, the most egregious is that, well, I'll let Scott Kukendall of the Allegan County Historical Society lay it out for you. He might know something. Cool. Lay it out for me. Scott. Quote, I can see if you're there by yourself or with one other person and you hear something you're not used to hearing, your imagination will start to run away with you. You do hear stories of older people saying, well, when I was a teenager in the 1950s, we would be out there and seeing glowing eyes in the woods, or we might see something. There was a doctor or scientist, and he had the children and started conducting experiments on them, killing him, eating him, and going into the woods where they supposedly are today. End quotes. Just kind of Scott summing up Buddy's stories of what he's heard. Right, yeah. But Scott says the problem is that there never was a Junction Insane Asylum on or near the Felt Mansion property. Uh Uh-oh. It never existed. So it's the nuclear plant. By every possible unit of historical documentation available, it's just not true. Hmm. But wait. People in West Michigan were calling other people melonheads, though. That's true. Yeah? People were called melonheads. Huh. Who were these people? The students and staff of the Boys Seminary School. Quote, the town folk referred to them as melonheads because they were considered smarter. It was a negative, obviously. They thought they came from money and that they were rich and had big heads, end quote, <laughs> Scott said. 
referencing, of course, the boys who attended the private Catholic school. A former student of the Catholic school says, quote, Rumors start because of the unknown. The Melonheads were actually seminarians at St. Augustine Seminary in the Felt Mansion, end quote. And then he keeps talking, quote, The local kids called us that because it was a private school, and we were brainy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. But reports of melon heads are not reserved for Michigan. In fact, the most elaborate story takes us to Ohio. And crucial details of this story have perhaps tainted the story I have just recanted above. In fact, all the best parts of that story may not come from their origins in Michigan at all. While Felt Mansion was both a school and a prison, a game of historical telephone and word-of-mouth stories could have blurred the two over the years. Because there doesn't seem to be any reason to include a crazy doctor in the Michigan story. But if the Ohio legend had merged with the Michigan story, well, it makes all the sense in the world. Because in the Ohio story, our mad doctor is so prolific, he gets a name. Oh, yeah? Introducing Dr. Crow. Dr. Crow. Sometimes spelled with an E at the end, sometimes without. Dr. Crow and the Melonheads. Dr. Crow and the Melonheads. Fuck <laughs> me. F- this is, yeah. Because well, the Melon- Michigan Melonheads, and there's Dr. Crow and the Melonheads. Yeah, and they, from Cle- yeah we're from Cleveland. Super group. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Crow and the Melonheads. Story goes, he was a medical professional who lived just outside Kirtland, Ohio, along Wisner, Wisner or Wisner Road. He owned land stretching from Shady Brook to Wisner Road, and that area is now home to the Lake County Historical Society. His property, far removed from civilization, secluded, isolated. Some tales say that he was obsessed with hydrocephalus, and some tales specify that his own son suffered from the disease, feeding the fire of said obsession. Another recount says that Dr. Crow had several servants in his residence, all of them suffering from hydrocephalus or encephalitis, which is just water on the brain, and he conducted, very similar, I imagine, and he conducted experiments on them by adding even more fluid to their heads because go big or go home, right? Right, yeah. Right? That's, I mean... that's what that needs. mm -hmm. From creepycleveland.net, the archives, Mm -hmm. a recount... Contributed by a super reliable source. It's not Ben again, is it? No, it's it's Big Ape Two Thousand. Oh, at the website. The address is xedout.com. You, you know it'd have been B Dog if it was Ben. So we got B Dog and B Ape. It's not as cool to say B Ape. No, Big A is what you'd say, but then you get rid of the coolest part. The dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, like if you if you shorten like Big Ape, like Big A sounds like a nickname, but then you take out the ape. That's not... All right, well, AP says, Dr. Crow owned quite a bit of land out in the Kirtland Chardon area, running, from my understanding, from his house at Shady Brook out to Wisner Road. Shady Brook is now the headquarters of the Lake County Historical Society. I was in the house before they took it over, and it's quite creepy. Another house in the woods. The Dr. Crow legend that I originally heard as a child had him having servants or people living on the property who had encephalitis water on the brain, or some similar condition, which of course would be hydrocephalus, and were called melonheads by the locals. No account had him being a nice person. Several stories were told about devil worship or arcane practices, and I do remember a room in Shady Brook with a big bay window and a window seat that looked more like an altar. Hmm. Huh. 
Hmm. Not um. I was very young, and it was night, though, so I got out of there pretty quickly. My earliest, this is in quotation marks, story memory. Hmm, why would you put that story memory? Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know why. Um, has him dying in a fire in his office. Although I seem to remember coming across something a few years ago that didn't jive with that. Didn't jive with that. Didn't jive with that. It's nope. Been a, nope. It's been a while since I was messing around with that, so I can't remember the source. This, now that's over, this is another account from Creepy Cleveland. Like any legend that disperses throughout the internet, different sites report different things. We all know that the internet is a series of tubes, and when these stories flourish online, they can explode into even more insanity. So let's get into this retelling from Alex and Creepy Cleveland, again, giving us some additional details about Dr. Crow. Let's hear it, Alex. And what he was up to. Yeah. All right. Hey, um... Yeah, well, he also, yeah. Okay, here's a story that kind of started the myth. This is Alex. It's from, it's from uh, www.cheapchange.com slash melonheads.html. Dead link. Now, between you and me, sometimes I feel like half my research for this nonsense Dead links. is wishing it is wishing I was just jacked into the internet wayback machine because nothing says reliable mm-hmm. than accounts um, that quote dead links. Yep. Maybe that's all part of the conspiracy. Could be. All right, Melonheads. For as long as I can remember, I've heard tales of strange creatures that inhabit the woods in a few of the towns in the area. I've always been told to be careful when traveling down Chardon, Wiz- Windsor Road. It's spelled different. Oh, Chardon, Windsor, whatever. Chardon, Windsor Road in Chardon, Wisner Road, and near the area surrounding the Holden Arboretum in Kirtland. There are supposed to be deformed humans living in the woods with tiny bodies and large round heads. They're known as the Melonheads, and it is said that they hate all human beings and will kill and eat any they encounter. Hmm. As you do. It's pretty drastic. The reason they're filled with such hate towards humans is because of one sick man, Dr. Crow. It is because of his twisted work that they are in the physical and mental condition that they are. Want some Dr. Crow backstory? Yeah. Dr. Crow was commissioned by the government shortly after World War II to treat children who suffered from a rare condition known as hydrocephalism, which causes large pockets of water within the brain. Crow ran a small institution of sorts for these kids and donated not only his services, but his own land for the venture. The government sent him these kids, thinking he was doing a good deed and a great favor to society. Little did they know what evil acts were actually occurring in the woods of northern Ohio. Dr. Crow was a vicious, malevolent, insane, malevolent... God, I can't ever pronounce the words. (laughs) Dr. Crow was a vicious, malevolent, insane man who took pleasure in the pain of others. Hidden out in the woods, away from anyone's supervision, he began a series of cruel experiments on the sick children placed in his charge. He injected their brains with even more water, causing their heads to swell to ridiculous proportions. I just this injection with more water. Yeah. I don't. I mean, why would you even do that? I'm not a doctor, but I know that's not going to work or help. I don't know why you would do that. I don't like what. What's what point are you trying to serve? Their problem. Like I figured he'd be like jabbing, like like poking their brains and just letting it ooze out. It's like, oh, this man's been shot. You know what might help? <laughs> Maybe I should shoot him more. <laughs> more bullets. Damn, this <laughs> pistol is enough. Give me that shotgun. Yeah. Bam. Oh, shoot. Uh, it doesn't seem to be helping. It seems to be getting worse. All right. Maybe more. All right. Where's the 50 cal? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. He, uh, 
He mentally and physically abused them and exposed them to radiation. So now we're just going wild. I mean, I mean what are we doing? Why not? Yeah. I mean, the water didn't work. What if I just nuke them? Yeah. Okay. He basically used them as the guinea pigs in all his twisted experiments he conceived. Many of the tortured children died. Now, this creeped me out. You can still see numerous graves of babies in the nearby King Memorial Cemetery. Oh, that's got some factual things you can check up on. Yeah. Um, needless to say, the melon had suffered severe physical and mental re- uh, retardation their words, due to their brain being exposed um, to the radiation and experimented on. They continued to devolve until they were hardly human anymore. They became little more than wild animals, and like all wild animals, they had no ability to reason and instead acted purely on instinct. Their main instinct, that to survive, led them to attack Dr. Crow. Supposedly, the melon heads became feral to the point where Crow could no longer control them. One day, they simply snapped and overran him while he was in his lab. They pummeled him, tore his body apart, and ate him. In the process of the attack, the melonheads destroyed electrical devices and knocked over vats of chemicals, causing a fire to start. This fire engulfed the buildings on Dr. Crow's secluded property, and the melonheads fled into the surrounding woods. Nowadays, packs of melonheads roam the woods of this area. Dozens of reports come in each year of people seeing creatures staring at them from the woods on the edges of local roads in the dead of night. Hikers and outdoorsmen routinely find slaughtered animals in the woods, and many have been attacked by melonheads, especially along the banks of the Chagrin River. The melonheads rule these woods. All right. But Alex isn't just going to summarize the legend for us. Oh, no. What do you think? He's seen them. He actually had his own encounter with the deranged children. He even prefaces his story by pointing out how ridiculous it is. Quote, I know all this sounds manufactured and sensational, and as I was growing up, even I brushed off this story as nothing more than a legend. In fact, I used to get mad at people who spread such ridiculous stories. I would mock and scoff at anyone who told me they genuinely feared traveling in the area. Yeah, whatever. Melonheads. Psychos. I changed my ways in July of 1995, though, when I was 18 years old. While traveling down Chardon-Windsor Road, I came face to face with one of these beasts, and I can tell you, they are as real as real gets. Shit. I was dating a girl from Chardon, and we often found ourselves driving many of the secluded roads rumored to be Melonhead territory. Not because we were looking for the creatures, but because we were young, horny, and well, <laughs> you get the picture. Well, at least he's honest. He's so honest. <laughs> Up front. About that, at least. He wants, yeah, he wants, <laughs> that, that's what he's doing to lend credibility to his story. Mm-hmm. We often joked about the melon heads. Now, I don't know what kind of, you want to see my melon head? Yeah. <laughs> Touch it, it gets bigger. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Whoa. Whoa, Alex. Whoa. Pump the brakes. Whoa. <laughs> we talked about the melon heads and... And talked about how without them scaring everyone away and giving us some privacy. Oh, they're like, ha we get to... You get to touch my melon heads because the melon heads scared everybody else away. Yeah, I'll let you touch my melons. It's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, your melon head can meet my melons. <laughs> like, what is happening? Our, <coughs> our relationship wouldn't have um, blossomed the way it did. Mm-hmm. They, they bonded. This guy got some serious action joking about melon heads. Yeah. That's sweet. That is pretty cool. <laughs> like, ha, ha, funny, being sarcastic, cute, uh-huh. and then just 
doing stuff in the woods. One night we were sitting in my girlfriend's car off to the side of the road. Debating. Debating. Having a good debate. Yeah. About, you know, we were debating the philosophy that we read in that Melonhead book that the Melonhead wrote. Yeah. By Dr. Crow. (laughs) By Dr. Crow. Water. How it makes things better. I thought it was your phone. No. (laughs) (laughs) I heard it in here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well... A lot of sound effects this episode. That's cute. All right. Yeah. Well, he was there sitting side of the road. You can imagine what they are doing. He had to take a leak. I got out and walked to the edge of the woods to do my thing. I kind of like this guy. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, I heard the car start up and lurch into gear. And out of the corner of my eye, saw it move backwards as the headlights came on. I figured my girlfriend was playing a joke on me, moving the car away so I wouldn't have the car blocking my public urination. She did that every now and then. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Oh. I like their relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's so... I got a pee on his back. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I'm sure she honked the horn. Yeah. Oh. Well, then she leaned on the horn, and I, <laughs> and I figured she was trying to bring further public attention to my peeing. But she was not playing a practical joke at all. I found this out when I zipped myself up, turned around, and saw the scariest sight I have ever seen with my own two eyes. My girlfriend was behind. Uh, my girlfriend was crying behind the wheel of the car, screaming. Although I could barely hear her through the rolled-up windows, the headlights were pointed in the woods, and through the foliage I saw the silhouettes of three or four shadowy shapes lumbering around. Huh. One was already on the edge of the road, moving through the bushes and tall grass toward me. From what I could make out, it was no taller than three feet, and it had the biggest, most bulbous head I'd ever seen. It wasn't really running, per se, as the equilibrium caused by its disproportion only allowed it to move at a limited speed. I couldn't really get a good look at the thing through the darkness and thick underbrush, but in a split second I realized that the very childhood story I had heard about these woods may just be true. I really feared that if I didn't act fast, I would be attacked. There was about 20 feet between me and the car at that point, but it seemed like miles. I ran towards the it, and as I did, I realized I wasn't going to make it. The melon head, or whatever it was, was going to cut me off. As I emerged from the vegetation, it was on the passenger side of the car between me and the door. Since the headlights were still pointing into the woods, the thing was now shrouded in darkness once again but I knew it was there. I stopped in my tracks and strained my eyes to see it, but mostly I listened to it. Over the muffled screams of my girlfriend, in the car I could hear the melon head wheezing, and as it breathed, it made a kind of gurgling sound. I don't mind telling you that I was paralyzed with fear at that point. Thankfully, my girlfriend didn't freeze up like I did. She threw the car into reverse and swung it around to face me, and the thing kicking up a cloud of dust from the shoulder on the road. Now it's an action movie. Uh-huh. And she sounds like a badass. Yeah. And she thinks it's funny when she's you're... whipping out a J-turn. And... Whoa! Right. And she thinks it's... She's the kind of girl who thinks it's funny when you're paying to move the car. Yeah. I'm on board. Yeah, she sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, she sounds like the hero of this story. Then she flipped on the high beams, and when the light hit the beast, it recoiled. I seized the opportunity and took off past it toward the car. In the split second I ran past it, I tried to get a better look at the melon head but the cloud kicked up by the car wheels and the glare of the high beams obscured my view. I wasn't going to wait around for the dust to settle, though, so that I might get a better look. 
I jumped into the passenger side door and tried to get a glimpse of the thing through the windshield. Just for a moment, I could make out the distorted form of it and its two eyes glowing in the lights. Then it disappeared into the underbrush. By this time, the other melon heads must have retreated, for there was no more movement in the woods. At that point, my girl floored it, and we got the hell out of there, never looking back. Since that time, I have never laughed when I hear stories of the melon heads. I don't brush them off, and I never make fun of others who are scared of them. Heed my words as a warning. Don't mess around in the woods around Chardon or Kirtland, Ohio. Or near the Chard... I mean, this is where I want to go right now. Mm-hmm. Or near the Chagrin or the Chagrin River, unless you too want to come face to face with the hideous melon heads. Or theirs might be the last faces you will ever see. Damn. Just, just reflect on that. That was a whole adventure, right? Yeah. Now, there is a variation of the Dr. Crow legend. It actually flips the script by saying that Dr. Crow was not malevolent, but instead a loving and caring doctor who trying to treat, not a doctor who, doctor, comma, who was trying to treat the children in his care for the condition they suffered. He was loved by that community. At some point, the good doctor died and his children were left to fend for themselves. Being incapable of maintaining and caring for the house themselves, the house burnt down and the kids scattered to the woods where they would become feral breed with each other, and become less than human. I mean, that's the complete opposite of everything we've heard up until that point. But it's out there, so... Yeah. There we go. Another testimonial spins the loving Dr. Take in a different, even more positive direction. And this, at the very least, happened before Dr. Crow passed away. This is, again, this is from 1964. Okay. Creepy Cleveland, again. Contributed by Paul Intahar. Uh, Wicklife High School in the mid-60s, we heard a different version of the Melonhead story. Some kids were driving around one day and saw a Melonhead watching them from the side of a country road. They stopped, and the Melonhead ran into the woods. They followed deep into the woods and came to an old farmhouse. On the porch sat a middle-aged couple and several Melonheads. The kids asked what was going on. And the man explained that he had been a nuclear scientist during World War II. After the war, he married, but the exposure to radiation caused all of his children to be born as melonheads. The government gave him a lot of money to keep quiet and bought this secluded farmhouse where they could live out their lives away from prying eyes. He asked the kids to tell no one what they'd seen and never to return. Someone told this story at a party in the summer of 1964. Someone else thought they knew, like this coming story I'm about to read. Someone else thought they knew where the Melonheads lived, so we all crammed into cars and... Oh, maybe this is the same recounting. I think it's the same recounting. So after hearing this story at a party, someone thought they knew where the Melonheads lived, so we all crammed into cars and headed out to find them. Which seems like a very smart party thing to do. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I would, we probably would have done that. I would have liked to have done that. We probably still would have done it. Yeah, I would have done especially if I was the one driving. Right, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah you're, I'm sure you're fine. Let's go. Oh, that's a mistake. Yeah. yeah. I'm not driving. I'm just looking for melon heads. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but guess what happened? We got stopped by the police uh-huh. at Wade Hill. When they found out where we were going, they gave us a stern lecture that there were no such things as the melon heads and that we should tell all our friends that there were no melon heads. We were taken to the police station where we had to call our parents to come and get us. (laughs) (laughs) We all agreed that the police were so intense in trying to convince us that there were no melon heads. 
So they went back out looking, right? <laughs> they insisted they had to be melon heads. If not, why were the police so upset that we were looking for them? Maybe because you were drunk driving in the woods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, DUI laws were probably a lot yeah. more lax back then. And you know they probably had cups, like road sodies in the car. We're yeah. looking for melon heads! <laughs> oh, you guys got it. All right. Yeah, go home. All right, this is done. All right. Now, this account... Um, well, do you want this legend to get even more wild? Can it be? Uh, well, this summary takes quite a turn. Okay. You'll know when we get there. Also, it's written pretty terribly, but who might have changed this man's words? By Tom McCaffrey. Yeah. I have a story about the melon heads from Chardon. You see the pictures that you have by the... Talking about this website, I guess. You see the pictures that you have by the bridge on the wrong side. Excuse me, the wrong end of Wisner Road. Wisner Road was washed out by the Wisner Creek about 30 years ago. You see, I am have lived near the Melon Heads all my life. The Melon Heads live on the north side of Wisner. You must get to the section of Wisner Road by traveling down Mitchell Mills. You see, Melon Heads have all been contained and are living with the aid of the government. There is a building on Mitchell Mills Road that has an electrified fence that is 20 feet tall. This is where the Melon Heads live. If you come visit, you will be most likely approached by a park ranger. Please look at this ranger. He is not a ranger, but a secret government agent in disguise as a park ranger. They have a military haircut and carry weapons that are unimaginable for any park. Also, there is not a park within 15 miles of the area. We believe that these so-called rangers have a license to kill. This is an, this is an, it says expiations, but this is an explanation for numerous disappearances in our area. The residents believe that we have figured out what the Melonheads are. They're descendants from the aliens that were transferred from Roswell and Hangar 18 near Dayton. Yeah, boom! (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What a twist. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) I think there's a J turn right there. Yeah. What on earth? Okay. All right. Now, I'm mentioning this one because it potentially... Exp- we've, we've heard at this point, and the reason why I wanted to read a bunch of accounts on this episode is to just flood your brain with melon heads to get like a consensus, like an idea. Just like Flood my brain. Get That's it how in they there. make melon oh, heads. Oh, no! Oh, <laughs> what am I doing? Oh, tonight Nick turns Zach into a melon head. <laughs> See how much I've been immersed in melon head culture? Yeah. Okay. Melon head culture. That's not a thing. Like, this was contributed by Justin Vargo. And it explains how to potentially defend yourself if you find yourself in a precarious situation with a melon head. All right, the story as I've heard it, yeah, he talks yeah, about Dr. Crow, uh, who was a doctor who practiced medicine out of his house in the early to mid-1800s. Now, that's not the World War II doctor we've been exposed to before, but yeah. let's just go with it. Uh-huh. Anyway, he had either been given these kids with mental problems or he had kidnapped some kids. Again, I've heard it both ways. He then ran experiments on these kids, injecting their brains with water. This caused the kids to become even more nuts and their heads to swell up like melons. Anyway, he kept them away in cages, locked away in cages in a green bar next to his house. Now, at this point, the story gets a little fuzzy. Yeah, because nothing's been fuzzy up to this point. No, it's been crystal yeah. clear. Beautiful, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, glass, boom, window. Window, to, what's a window to some world? Uh, either the barn burnt down in an accident, and a few of the melon heads escaped, or the barn is still there. I have yet to visit the old crow house, so I don't know if the barn is still standing or not. I am more inclined to believe it burned down. 
again, people just, no one, I like when people just say stuff. Yeah. Anyway, these melon heads still roam the area, out or near the Holden Arboretum, Windsor Road, from what I have been told. Supposedly, they come out at night, and if it is a full moon, they are extremely vicious and will attack any humans they see. However, they have a hard time seeing. If you wear dark clothes, you know, blacks, reds, dark greens, blues, you will be safe. This is how you can maybe defend yourself. But if you have on any bright colors or white, you are a prime target. Usually they just attack deer and other forest animals for food. But on those rare full moon occasions, they will attack and rip a human limb from limb if they find one. This is a story I've heard from numerous sources. Yeah, everybody says so. Yeah, everybody says that. I've gathered many stories from people who have been out there and from just people who know the myth. You shouldn't mix. Those should be two separate categories. <laughs> <laughs> They've seen stuff in the woods, and these people tell me this story. Yeah, they obviously right. know what they're talking about. Now, I know it's it's it has been a lot, and I could read you dozens and dozens, hell, maybe hundreds more stories like these. So if you are starved for more insanity... You, because I'm having a conversation with you, but listening, right. of course, you can go to creepycleveland.net, search Melonheads, crack a beer, and sell in for the long haul because it gets out of control. Excellent. Right. But I'm not done. We're close. We're winding down. We're winding down Wisner Road, okay? Mm-hmm. But before we close this out, I'd be remiss if I did not address one last place where Melonheads seem to thrive. It's another location. And... Even if those recountings seem like they took a while, um, how could I ignore this place and where it happens when the street they're often cited at being on is called Dracula Drive? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> where is Dracula Drive? Dracula Drive, or as it's properly named, Velvet Street, is located in Trumbull, Connecticut. Oh, okay. Most sightings occur within the Bridgeport, Stratford, Fairfield area. A writer of a register... Citizen article says, quote, I couldn't wait to ask my friend Lynn, who grew up in Bridgeport, if she had ever heard of the Melonheads. She replied, yes, she had indeed. She had never seen one, but had definitely heard the legends. Another friend, Peter, good old Pete, heard that they are actually well-organized, civilized, and quite wealthy, but still are removed from society into their own enclave. I enjoy the idea of like an involved uh, melonhead. The wealthy yeah. upper class melonheads. Yeah, the aristocrats. They live over in Connecticut, not not in Ohio. <laughs> no, oh yeah, or Michigan. Yeah, the rural Michigan or northern Ohio. These yeah. guys, yeah, they're uh, blue bloods. Connecticut, <laughs> Connecticut blue bloods. Oh jeez. All right, the writer continues. <laughs> the writer continues. Yeah, those melonheads are pure. They got off the Mayflower. Those melonheads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are a couple stories concerning the origins of this strange little pack of people. I don't know if you should call them that. One originates in about 1860, when a high-security, insane asylum located in Fairfield burned to the ground. All the staff perished in it, but several of the inmates' bodies were never found. Speculation is that these are the descendants of the inmates who escaped the fire, and they chose to live on the fringe of society, becoming strange, malformed creatures as a result of inbreeding. And also there is speculation about cannibalism. That's not a word. Candleism. Candleism. Light them up. That's how, <laughs> that's how a barn burned down. <laughs> yeah. And also there is speculation about cannibalism when food runs short for them. Hmm. This is in this article. Hmm. The hills have eyes, don't they? The second theory says that these are the descendants of a family cast out in colonial times for witchcraft. Hmm. 
Rather than settle in another town, they decided to remove themselves from society, and again, their inbreeding made them mutate into oddly shaped beings. There's a scattershot of ideas. Personally, it really does sound like that once someone learned of the concept of melon heads, each story contaminated the other one, um, because when it comes to the Connecticut version, the burning down of an orphanage, mental institution, that's always mentioned. Yeah. Now, can you see like the Venn diagrams of what I'm saying right, yep. forming in your head? Because um, you know, Melonhead sightings usually don't. Besides that earlier like legend, sightings don't go back for further than the 1960s. And like we've addressed in many previous shows, nobody had anything to do in the 1960s and especially the 1970s, except hope and dream that monsters are real. I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. So they can chase them. The- guns right so another reason of how the stories can blur together and morph because i mean that's what happened right it sounds like mel one once you could tell people at melon heads well i heard this story right i heard that one. Oh, the orphanage was in connecticut oh but now it was in this creepy mansion next to michigan and yeah, it's like a game next of to, telephone exactly a hundred percent um yeah so and this is this is even a separate one it's only one account of this one but this one also gets lumped in there ray bendici of damned connecticut a website, by the way, Damn Connecticut. You should go there, too. Yeah. Introduces yet another story. Quote, I read an article a few years back, I think in the four, uh, 14 times, talking about a group of isolated Appalachian mountain people. Now, you'd think this is where the story would start, to be honest with you. Right. In the southeastern U.S., Tennessee, Kentucky, eastern Virginia, called the Melungeon. M-E-L-U-N-G-E-N. Melungeon. Mm-hmm. In short, it's believed the Melungeon are a mixed-race descendants of European outcasts, freed slaves, and Native Americans, the damned of early American society, in a way, who decided to stay to themselves and, in general, away from the mainstream. In the article, it also mentioned that the term Melungeon was sometimes bastardized into Melonhead. So it's possible, although I have no evidence to prove this, and I'm no anthropologist, again, this is the quote I'm quoting, Mm-hmm. That at one point there was a group of people living quietly and independently in the backwoods of Connecticut who had characteristics similar to the Melungeon and somehow got branded as such. Then over time they got changed to Melonhead, and since people tend to fear what they don't un, uh, what they don't know about or understand, the stories of boogeyman horror were attributed to them. Hmm. All right, now we're here. Before we wrap this up. I mentioned it, but we didn't go down it yet. Yes, yeah, so before we wrap it up, before we're done, before we conclude, right. do you want to take a ride down Dracula Drive? Yeah. Okay. You know I do. It's some, this, is, this account is summarized, it's summarized by me, so I read the account and I put it into my own words, mm-hmm. from the weird series Weird New England. It was the 1980s and a group of high school girls decided to go for a late night jar ride after the conclusion of a Friday night football game. Picture it, man. Friday Night Lights. Connecticut. Yeah. Main characters, Megan, Sue, Kim, Deb, Jen, and Karen were looking to party. Hell yeah. Their vehicle of choice, Deb's blue Ford Granada. Like any high school teen looking for a cheap adrenaline rush, they decided to visit someplace creepy. Weird. Spooky. A fake danger that would let their mind run wild. They, of course, chose a street nicknamed Dracula for several weird happenings that befell it over the years. Megan was talking shit. Being all, hey, I heard about these big melon, I heard about these big-headed monsters that lie over there. 
Let's uh, let's take a stroll and find out if we can say hi to them or something. At the least, I assume that is how the conversation went. Right. Let's look at these melon heads. You want to think they're over there? Yeah. What are you doing, Kim? Come on, Sue. You want to look for the melon heads? Everybody knows Megan's a shit talker. Yeah. I think I saw Jen's boyfriend over there. Yeah. Fuck you, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did the girls do? Cruised on down to Dracula Drive, parked, and got out. You know, just to walk around in the dark, real normal like. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping to give themselves some easy fake thrills by playing pretend, all those pretenses went right out their collective windows when they heard a car door slam. Deb's car door. Uh oh. From the Granada! Uh oh. The engine started. The headlights lit up, and the car came bombarding toward the girls, who narrowly escaped being crushed by lunging for the woods. As the granada zipped by, the interior lighting of the car it illuminated the thieves inside. The girls got an eyeful, almost as full as the creatures' heads, for they huh. had very large heads, were the size of children and adorned by trashy rags. Their eyes were bright orange, and they were cackling as they drove away, taking Deb's tar. Her car! Suck it, Deb. Yeah. Baby! <laughs> Fuck you. Uh-huh. Johnny, I think that was still your boyfriend. Fuck you, Debbie! They stole your car! <laughs> We're in the woods! Yeah. We know where to go! We... Nobody's invented a way to call somebody from the woods yet. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where, why don't we get home? Because we have to walk alone in Dracula Drive. Yeah. Oh, my God. To this day, if you drive out to Dracula Drive... With mischief in your heart and a glimmer of the supernatural in your eye, you may just see a blue granada whizzing by, changing your life forever. That is the, I'm sure, very true story of the Melonheads. Definitely. You go. I mean, the Melonheads sound cool. How do you feel about that, right? Yeah. It's a lot going on there. Yeah. And a lot of accounts. And some of those accounts were lengthy, but they set the stage. We need them for the picture. Right. They're like, they're there. Mm-hmm. In three different states, with all Pretty, the stories blending together. Yeah, a good amount of them. Good amount of people see them. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, we just got to go out to, I mean, of course, the coolest place um, to go to, well, a lot of places we have to go to now. Dracula Drive is like, whenever we go out east or something, that's fine. That's there. But, right. I mean, Felt Mansion. I mean, um, my parents own a place that's like 20 minutes away from there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you may have been there, but maybe it's time to go back. Just a creep around there, you know? Right, yeah. It's on the way. So, I mean, make a weird stop to this fucking mansion. Right, why not? But I mean, Melonheads, man, holy shit. Yeah. Something to think about. Don't think too hard, though. And whatever you do, don't inject water into your fucking brain. Yeah, that's a good plan. It just makes things worse. Words to live by. It is. Don't inject water into your brain. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, it doesn't solve anything. No, it doesn't help. Yeah. But man, I just gotta take a moment to collect myself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Melonheads, man. That's Pretty wild. Yeah, Never right? heard of the Melonheads before. No, me neither. One of uh, a listener to this podcast and one of our friends um, had asked me if there was anything crazy going on in Michigan because he might be going up there. Oh, yeah? That led me down this road to the Melonheads. So, Perfect. So thank you for that, sir. You know who you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. It's like, oh, they're in Michigan? Oh, wait, they're in Ohio? 
Yeah. Oh, Connecticut. Oh my God, I'm all over the place now. Watch out for the melon heads. Yeah, watch out for the melon heads. And uh, well, yeah. And if you want to tell us about the melon heads, how do you feel with the melon heads? If you have a melon head story that you heard from someone, because those are the ones I want. If you've seen one, go fuck yourself. If someone <laughs> told you a story, because I guess that's all people want to report. Right. Yeah. Somebody told me this guy in the woods did a melon for a head, and he yeah was dating this girl named Jen. Yeah, no. stole Debbie's car. <laughs> stole Debbie's Granada. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> driving around 30 years later now. Uh-huh. Uh, you can email us at weirdandfearedpodcast at gmail.com or um, follow us on the Instagram at weirdandfearedin. Right, But, yeah. uh, man, I cannot, can't wait to draw Melonhead. Oh, yeah, it's going to be good. All right. But, yeah, so this, yeah, we're in Fearden. I'm feared that's weird. Yep. <clears throat> Stay peace, spooky. Peace out. Stay spooky. <laughs>